I've done it, y'all. I made it to a Vikings practice, and boy, do I have thoughts. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. You should go check out the history documentary on patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL. It is training camp. We're here, baby. Well, most people have been here, but I am actually physically now here in Minnesota. And I was actually able to get out to TCO. I will be there for every practice this week, which should be very exciting. So I'll be able to bring you lots and lots of insights. And I have a lot of thoughts right off the bat. And even just after one practice, I think I have a really good understanding of where the Vikings are at offensively or like where they intend to be at. And that's very exciting for me because I think it's going to make me a lot more well-equipped to kind of explain what's happening and solve the mysteries of the sport alongside you all, and that's what the show's for. Uh, but also because looks pretty good, man. Like, they're looking good on offense. I think, I don't know, the the ones did not have their best day in the night training camp practice on Monday, and I'll kind of go through everything here. But for me, it wasn't the best. I think the defense got had the better day. And the offense had some successes. They had some... Um, touchdowns and some interesting risers that we'll talk about but I thought on the whole the coverage really blew me away but part of that is also the expectations that I have for the offense Justin Jefferson made a lot of plays worry ye not but you expect him to make some plays and when he doesn't make a play it feels like so much better of a rep because oh my god he actually clamped on Justin Jefferson um, and even plays like there was a, a really good, it was like a, I don't know, a little eight yard curl, really standard stuff. And Justin Jefferson just chews up off coverage cushion so quickly that Cameron Dantzler was on him, had absolutely no shot. Justin Jefferson runs this route way too well, but like everything is just pristine. Um, but Cameron Dantzler broke on it really nicely, got back in, and it was like a pretty good, like, it's one of those times where, yeah, he got the catch, but what more can you expect from the corner? And I don't know if you can expect much more from the corner, and that's pretty nice when your corner is doing everything you could possibly expect of him. That's good. That means that, like, that's a rep that's taped that says, yeah, your technique was good there. Justin Jefferson's just insane. You're going to take your lumps on him sometimes. And that was kind of the worst it got for Cam Dantzler for me. I thought Cam Dantzler had a heck of a night. Um, like the, his worst reps were ones where you just shrug and went, well, all right, that was a Jefferson one. <laughs> um, I, I didn't watch him every rep or anything. So, and this is going to be kind of a thing of training camp. If you ever hear somebody say something way different on a day than I did, somebody else's training camp recap has a totally different opinion. It is a very good chance that they just saw reps that I didn't, or I saw reps that they didn't. 
and that's just going to be the way it goes. So I would recommend go listen to a lot of stuff. Let's make me your first, of course, first of the day, hashtag. But I would recommend that you go listen to a lot of different opinions and see what is consensus and what people are getting different ideas about, I think would be more informative than just taking like me or just taking like Purple Daily or Purple Insider or Norse Code or whatever and just running with like one of them, right? Um, multiple sources. So all that said, um, a couple of the other like risers for me, one of the big winners of the day of the night were Zach Davidson. Um, I thought Zach Davidson had a very nice day, but I think what's really like my evaluation of him aside, a lot of the tight end catches that are happening in this offense right now are really schematic. It's all just finding a hole in the zone and you kind of execute what you what you're told to execute. But he's not, you know, crushing dudes in coverage or anything. And there were no one on one drills in this because it was the night practice. They did more scrimmage. Um, So maybe that makes him look a little bit better, right? Because he's just catching like schemed up passes or he's checked, you know, check downs or whatever that aren't that reflective on his ability. But the thing is, he keeps getting reps with the ones. Now, Irv Smith's hurt, right? And this would usually be Irv. Uh, but Johnny Munt split with Zach Davidson and Zach Davidson looked way better than Johnny Munt. Just one night. I don't know what's been happening for the rest of camp. But I see it. I see what people are I, like Sam Ekstrom on the uh, Minnesota football party, which should also be out uh, by tonight. What is, is like the biggest Zach Davidson fan ever. And buddy, I get it. I see it. I, there's a lot more that I need to see before I can really start to kind of stamp him as a guy who has taken the next step. But it seems like the Vikings are giving him lots of opportunities. And part of that is Smith being hurt. But it could just be Johnny Munt. And it's not. And that's meaningful, I think. Um other winners of the day, as I think about it, Jordan Hicks really l- popped for me. Um, he really has a quick downhill trigger, and he made uh, he actually popped Bryant Kobach on one. Um, and by the way, don't be alarmed that like a third teamer was going up against the first team defense. It was the third team offense against the first team defense. Um, but he yeah he popped Bryant Kobach, which he's not supposed to do. But it was like a weird rep where he was like getting past someone and his momentum just kind of carried him. But you could tell he was coming in with a fury. Um, some blown up run plays in the backfield. There was a lot of that on Monday night. Um, but that really reflected well on the linebackers that perpetrated it. Jordan Hicks, Troy Dye had a sequence, like a really, really hot sequence. I didn't really notice anything from him outside of it. Um, good or bad, but the one sequence he was really blowing things up, reading plays, sifting through them, diagnosing. That would be really cool if he was a guy. Um, and I thought I, I saw one rep where Chandon Sullivan had a really nice rep against Adam Thielen. That was the only time I noticed Chandon Sullivan. <laughs> um, so I guess that's fine. Um, we'll talk about Andrew Booth later and some of the losers of the day. But those are some that come to mind. I'll probably you know mention some as they, they come up. But those are the ones that come to mind for me. You can be the winner of the day if you snack on, munch on a Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet it is absolutely delicious covered in 100 percent chocolate all the time their new monstrosity abomination affront to god is cookie dough chunk puff listen to all of those words you got cookie dough who doesn't love that in a protein bar i mean this thing tastes like something you should be able to have at a movie theater and not tell your significant other that you had and then you got chunks of cookie dough and then you got 
puff. You've got that puff marshmallowy deliciousness all inside it, all covered in 100% chocolate. It's insane. And then like 16 grams of protein in that. And it's all collagen protein. That's the magic of all of this. It's collagen protein whipped up to simulate that like marshmallowy texture using the marvels of technology. Uh, and so it's not going to knock you off the wagon. It's a great midnight snack. It's even something you can have in the morning or after a workout. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you get 15% off of your order. It's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. Hey, before we keep talking about camp, um, real quick, I would love it if you went to patreon.com slash NFL and ch- checked out my History of the Minnesota Vikings documentary. I worked tirelessly on this thing. Parts one and two are out. Part three will be out this weekend, and then things will continue all the way up through the end of camp and preseason all the way up until the eve of week one. That's when the last one comes out. So I would love it if you checked it out. Details the entire history of the Vikings, and it's a lot more prosy, a lot more storytelly than some of the more bare bones, drier things that you can see about history that just kind of tell you what the records were and who got all the touchdowns. Um, I'm really proud of it. I'm beaming with pride over it, and I would love it if you checked it out. Also, check out the Minnesota Football Party and Ensemble Show with me, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Inman, and Arif Hassan all Talking Vikings. That'll be twice a week all the way through the season as well. You can find it on the Locked On Minnesota Sports podcast feed. Let's move on. I did some winners. Let's do some losers. Some of the people who I thought didn't do as great on Monday night, um, the one that really sticks out to me is Kellen Mond, and Sean Mannion's not too far behind. These two dudes looked, I'm sorry. It was so bad. I know people were holding out a lot of hope for Kellen Mond. I was holding out hope for Kellen Mond. I even put on the tinfoil hat on the football party, and I was like, hey, maybe it's just part of his development path or whatever. He is a catastrophe. I don't think I can oversell it. It's the There were inaccurate passes. There were He throws a smooth ball. like It's a nice spiral. You just watch him as he's warming up, and he's got one of the smoother spirals. But, like, ugh, it's inaccurate there was it's wobbly it's slow for some reason now again if you wanted to really cope if you wanted to really put on your cope hat and cope um, (laughs) you could say that maybe he's taking velocity off of the ball to better teach him what he can and can't get away with which was I think the most detrimental problem for him in college that prevented him from that would prevent him from moving to the NFL level is that he's just cashing checks that NFL defenses won't let him cash or writing checks that NFL defenses won't let him cash. Um, but maybe, but I don't know. It doesn't explain all the other stuff. Balls were late. Balls were underthrown. He threw a nauseating interception to Cameron Dantzler. Really good pick by Dantzler, by the way. It was a little out and Dantzler jumped it. Um, but it was like way too short and it just hung. It was just like, there was no velocity on it at all. So I, I, I wonder if they're changing his mechanics and so all these throws are going to come out bad and he's just going to be a catastrophe for right now. Um, but I don't see how you can justify, like, honestly, if I were the Vikings, I, I don't even know if I'd give him preseason reps. I mean, you would just to train him, um, but I don't even know how helpful that would be. I just like put him on ice, man. Like it's, it's so bad. I don't know if you can, if I were the Vikings, I don't even know if I can give him a spot on the 53-man roster. And I'm not saying that lightly. This is now the third of the four third-round picks that might not make it to year two. But I do think that that is a plausible scenario with Chaz Surratt and Wyatt Davis as well. It's really ugly. 
But I will say Patrick Jones looked okay. I, I liked what I saw from him. Got some run with the ones and had some interesting pass rushes against like O'Neal and, and Derisaw. Um, losers, I, I kind of thought Derisaw had a rough night. It's maybe, I mean, it's my first day out, so maybe I'm just not used to watching Daniil Hunter and maybe everybody else has sort of adjusted that expectation. Okay, Daniil Hunter will beat you a couple times. But that's kind of what I saw. I saw him give him a couple, give up a couple to Daniil Hunter, give up a couple to Zadarius Smith. Um, I wasn't watching him that closely. Um, and it's certainly nothing, no cause for concern or whatever. You should definitely still stick to all the hype that's come from everybody else, both in and out of the organization about him um, versus, you know, my bird's eye view for one day where I managed, where, you know, where I'm only commenting on the times he caught my eye. Uh, but I don't know. I'll, I'll keep watching and I, I don't have a hot take yet unless I keep noticing bad play. Um, but I don't know. Lost a few reps tonight. Maybe not his best, but hey, get that out of the way when uh, when it doesn't count yet. Right. Um, other losers of the day, the interior O-line was really, really messy. The ones in particular went up against the twos and the threes in red zone drills, and they did a lot of run plays. And there was a lot of people in the backfield on those run plays. Like that was, those were the Troy Dye plays I was talking about. Now I, I could not see whose fault it was. If it was Jesse Davis or, or Bradbury or, uh, Ezra Cleveland, I can't answer that. I do not know. I wish I had a bet, but it's all sifted and it's hard to see in the middle. Um, but I don't, something in there went real wrong. It looked maybe like miscommunication, which no matter whose fault that is, it's probably some on Bradbury, but it's hard for me to see like really live, but there were a lot of like guys who won't make the team in the backfield as Kirk Cousins hands off to Delvin Cook, which was pretty concerning to me. Uh, but I don't know. Their red zone has, uh, hasn't been a cause for concern so far. Um, I will say Kirk Cousins, I haven't talked about him yet. He looked fine. He he looked like him, him himself. Um, totally fine. Nothing, no real complaints or anything like that. Um, I didn't pay out very close attention to him either. Um, I wasn't really watching the quarterbacks. I couldn't take my eyes off of Mond cause it was just a spectacular catastrophe. Uh, but I didn't really watch Kirk Cousins that closely. So whatever, but I will give him, uh, that he, the two minute drill worked, got the Vikings to, I think an under 40 yard field goal. Greg Joseph nailed it. Oh, there's a winner for the day. Greg Joseph went seven for eight on field goals. He uh, kind of had a little draw on one of them, a little hook, left hook on a shorter kick. And then they did the thing where they move it back. And he actually booted one from 60 that was comfortably good. And the crowd went wild and he got mobbed by the team. It was really, really cool. So good stuff by Greg Joseph. But in terms of uh, losers on this, um, yeah, Mond and Mannion were the big ones. Darisaw was one. I think Johnny Munt might be one because Zach Davidson, Zach Davidson seemed to look more like he belonged on the ones. And that is including plays where he wasn't targeted. Like he ran in the right place. He was in the right spot. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure this will come down to like Zach Davidson might not be able to block. And if he can't block, then you can't put him on the team. And I didn't really see any of that one way or another. So that would be a thing that it comes down to. But yeah, I don't know. And I think a loser of the night, Adam Thielen. I don't think Thielen had his best night. I saw him get clamped by Dantzler a bunch. I saw him get clamped by Chandon Sullivan once. I think I might have seen him get clamped by like Perry Nickerson once. But I can't say that for sure. I, I just don't think he looked very explosive or athletic in this one. Um, Again, just one night. Maybe just not his night. But that's something for me to watch. And KJ Osborne had a heck of a day. Um, he, he was making a lot of plays, really exciting, spectacular, make the crowd go, ooh, ah, kind of plays. And it, like, if I were just constructing a a starting depth chart based on one night, 
KJ Osborne would absolutely be the second wide receiver and Adam Thielen would be a possession role player. And that might be what happens and that might be okay. And we'll have to kind of see what role that is and how much production it is. And is that worth what we're paying him and all that stuff? Um, but it is also only one day. Please do not overreact to it. <laughs> so there's another thing that I really want to get into. I want to get into this a lot deeper and we might do it tomorrow. Uh, but I want to talk about Kevin O'Connell's scheme. And look, I have been boning up on my Rams, all right, on my 2021 Rams, as you might be familiar with from other episodes of this show. And in my study of the Rams and their playbook and what they did in 2021, I don't think I saw a single thing all night that wasn't somewhere in that study, which makes me feel very cool because I could ID all the plays. I could even call some of them before they got snapped. Um... And I think it gives us a great platform to learn the basics of the Vikings offense. Now, we are in week, like, what, one and a half? This was, like, day, like, six of camp. You're not going to see any wrinkles. You're not going to see anything the Vikings are trying to keep secret. All this stuff that they have run tonight will also be run in the preseason. And all the opponents who get tape on it, like, I'm not going to reveal anything new. This is all way too basic to be a secret. They'll have to run it in the preseason and tip that part of their hand. So that means we all have free license to learn about it. And so I'm excited to do that. But first, let me talk to you about banking. Uh, so sometimes you get into a, a pinch, a, little, a pretty little pickle, and you gotta, you need maybe need some help to get out of that. Now, if you are trying to buy lunch, trying to buy a birthday gift, you just need to put a couple gallons of gas in your tank and you overdraft, that can be a nightmare. And that is where Dave comes in. Dave is an app dedicated to abolishing the overdraft fee. Uh, and they will help you. You can get $500 extra cash instantly with no credit check and no interest. If you go to Dave, uh, it's an app on the app store and sign up for extra cash. Millions of people have already done this and gotten the financial relief that they need. So download the Dave app from the app store right now. It's D-A-V-E and sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve member FDIC. Future you will thank you. So let's talk about this Kevin O'Connell slash McVeigh offense. And what I'm gathering right now is I don't see much variation at all from the McVeigh concepts. Now, does that mean Kevin O'Connell is just copy pasting the playbook? No, it might mean that any variation he actually plans on running, he might save for the private parts of camp. Um, things that the media isn't available to see, which we will start to get after preseason games are played. Um, there will be parts where media is not allowed in camp or where there's just no way to cover it. And this is fully secret unless somebody's got geo satellites. Um, that's where he'll start to move in the wrinkles and the ideas that he has and the ways that he'll differ from the McVeigh stuff. And that's what he'll keep secret from opponents. But for now, we're seeing the basics and the basics of the Rams offense are a really interesting thing that I my goal is to get you dear listener to be able to understand and identify the plays as you see them and to know the staples of the offense I mean we're talking highest 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 level stuff we're talking Kubiak's like rollouts that kind of thing you know Kevin Stefanski runs too tight end all the time that sort of stuff um you know Cliff Kingsbury is running his own read like that this is the the stuff I want to get out but in a level of detail that exceeds what you can learn from like Madden or uh, like a, you know, a PFF article on positional value or whatever. Like I want to sort of dive deeper than those try to dive. And I want to go on that journey with you, dear listener. So some of the staples that I saw 
and I'm not going to go into super depth, but um, I, there's a lot of three by one, like almost exclusively three by one or three by one motioning into two by two. And that is very McVeigh. McVeigh lived out of three by one and three by one is kind of the place you want to be. There's a lot of Justin Jefferson isolated on the backside of three, three by one. That's very good. That means you have the entire offense on one side of the field, which means all the defensive resources go to that side of the field. And on the other side of the field, you've got one guy versus one guy. Our one guy is Justin Jefferson, who is yours. That's a very good place to be, right? And you can isolate him and you can do all sorts of things, run him on a go route, make it an alert. And you can basically tell Kirk Cousins, all right, we're going to have Justin Jefferson run a corner route over there. Nobody's over there. All the safeties, everybody's going to go help on on the strong side, on the passing strength. Uh, he's going to run a corner route and you can just tell Kirk cousins, Hey, if that cornerback is on inside leverage and you, and it's a corner, he's going to break outside. He's going to break away from that leverage. Justin Jefferson's going to get open. There's absolutely nothing that guy can do about it. I don't care if he's Darrell Rivas. He's, he's doomed. He's just, it's bad leverage. Darrell Rivas wouldn't get caught dead in that situation. And whoever does is, is screwed. So just screw the play, throw it. And you can just, that's a, uh, they used to call it with the Vikings. They'd call it like a green apple. Look, a reach for the green apple. Um, whatever they call it with the Vikings. Now you can just go do that. Um, just go throw it, Kirk, and you can have him do that. And you can get deep th- shots to Justin Jefferson, just manufactured that way. But in the passing game, what I, I saw a lot of was, you know, a lot of tight ends and halfbacks and fullbacks running uh, return routes, which are a little loopy kind of thing, I guess you would call it. If you know what a whip out is, it's that but reversed. Um, but you run upfield, it's a shorter route, you turn around, and then instead of, it's kind of like a little spot route, a little hitch, but instead of sitting down, you break inside. Um, so it's supposed to look like a hitch, you're supposed to get somebody to sort of break at you like it's a hitch. You know, if you're a defender and you see a hitch, you're supposed to just get right into that guy's pocket, um, and you want that guy to try to get in your pocket, and then you break inside. That return route often pairs with a choice route, an option route, you might know it as, where depending on the coverage and the leverage, you go inside, outside, upfield, sit down, whatever. Um, Most choice routes in this concept, uh, in this playbook, are if it's zone, you sit in the the hole, you you find a soft spot and sit. If it's man, you break away from the leverage. So if he's inside you, you break outside and vice versa. So choice return is one of the things Sean McVay ran the most. Uh, and those were, again, those were play menus that Kevin O'Connell prepared. That was his job in Los Angeles. So he was the one saying, okay, here's your staple today, is going to be choice return, and that's what we think will be good against this defense. It will not surprise you to learn that there's a lot of choice return in uh, just in just the one day that I saw. In terms of run game, um, I saw a lot of outside zone week, a lot of duo, Again, those were the two bread-and-butter run plays for the McVay offense. And the reason that those are the bread-and-butter run plays, I think, is a fasc- has a fascinating interaction with the pass game. Not only the play-action pass game, but also the drop-back pass game. Um, because of the formations that it puts you in and the fronts, it tends to, uh, it tends to lure. This is a way longer conversation, and I- hopefully I'll be able to have it with you tomorrow. But... Suffice it to say for now that you come out in a, you know, a three by one and it's all very condensed. It's all very reduced splits. You got a bunch on, on the strong side and you've got an isolated guy on the, on the weak side and you've got a halfback. And then you run a lot of outside zone to the weak side 
to where there's just the one guy. And the reason you would do that is because of the front you tend to get from there, and that's really good against that front. That's all I'll say about it right now. I'll get way into more detail about why that is later, because I think it's interesting and worth knowing. But for now, suffice it to say, you come out in this formation, and you get, you know, in, in A formation, and you get front counter A, right? You get front B out of formation A. And so front B will have to pair with certain coverages, because front B either does or doesn't have a safety in it. Um, and so you want front B... When you're running a pass play that's good against coverage B, if that makes sense, right? Hey, you're in that front. That means you're probably in a coverage that's like this. I will now design my playbook so that my plays that beat coverage B also happen to have the formation that lures you into front B. That's the logic at its prime. And those two plays against what defenses are commonly doing right now for the Rams last year were outside zone weak a lot of times with a so outside zone to the weak side and in the McVeigh world outside zone can turn into mid zone which the only difference there is outside zone you're attacking the C gap you're attacking around the edge you want them to wrap around the edge get that Dalvin Cook down the sideline um, outside or mid zone is the B gap between the tackle and the guard so instead of going outside the tackle you're going inside the tackle. And the only thing that changes that is what the defensive end over there does. If he crashes really hard upfield because he's trying to pass rush or he's trying to set an edge or something, then you just say, okay, I'll just go inside you and do the same exact play but through the B-gap. Um, and if he crashes way inside to try to take that B-gap away, you can probably bounce, him, bounce outside him and it's usually outside zone. And then they'll pair that really often with fake jet motion against defenses like the Vikings. Uh, that have safety rotations down that way a lot. So if the weak safety, and if you don't know, strong and weak just means where the tight end is. The tight end is on the strong side. So the weak, where the tight end isn't, that safety will rotate down to try to give you a numbers advantage. You want that guy running upfield already, you know, running already at the line of scrimmage, or um, and he'll rotate and try to attack. And so that jet motion gives you an extra body to contend with their extra body, and very often, that fake jet motion, that guy can run out like it's a flat route, and the safety will go with him. So he doesn't even need to block him. He can just kind of run a route, and the safety is probably playing pass first here, and you can essentially get that rotation out of the equation, and now their whole front falls apart. The Rams annihilated the Vikings with this in Week 16 last year. Uh, so... I think it's a, a cool thing to go in. And then duo is is very similar, but I, I think we can get to duo another day. But just know that like that's their more straight up run concept. That's their we're just going to get you, push you down and try to, you know, get three yards in a cloud of dust. It's more they we, we want six yards in a cloud of dust. Right. But it's there. We are going to try to attack where you are weakest and we're going to go directly at it without any frills. Um, and then that's what duo is. And then the frills that do get added to it are usually in response to game plan stuff. So like week to week, that's the really quick and dirty of what I noticed about O'Connell's offense. Um, and all of that matches exactly what McVeigh did. So the basics are going to be here. That, those are the bases. 
and the wrinkles, the changes to it, the the little tiny details that change are what defensive coordinators will want to suss out and won't be able to till week one. I won't be able to suss that out either because I'm just not smart enough. Um, but I can at least get the basics. And if if you and I, dear listener, can get those basics down, we can learn intuitively. Okay, this is outside zone week, and this is why they'll run it. This is duo. This is why they'll run it. This is choice return. And this is why why they run it. If we can get that stuff down, we will have a way more enlightened viewing experience, and we don't have to know all the dumb little details unless you're super geeky about it like me and you like it. Um, we don't need to know all that stuff, but that's what we're going to really see, and hopefully by the end of camp, you and I will have this great understanding of the McVay offense and its principles, and we'll be ready to go into the week and watch what it can do with all this talent the Vikings have stacked around it. So tomorrow, I think I'm going to continue that conversation uh, unless something comes up. we got news to talk about or something. We'll do that. Um, oh, the other thing, Lewis Seen, uh, absent from the night practice, excused absence, should be back Wednesday. Don't worry about it. Um, forgot about that. But yep, that's should be nothing. Um, so check out the history doc and I'll see you tomorrow. And as always, skull.